Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Today on This Week Health. Part of the challenge that a lot of mistakes are made because of additional complexity and that complexity opens doors for intruders to use against you and then enter and reach, at some point, domain dominance in your environment. And that means the keys to the kingdom. This is a Solution Showcase. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a channel dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, you name it, we are there. You can also go to thisweekhealth.com and subscribe there as well. And now on to our show. All right, today we have a solution showcase and we're going to be talking cybersecurity and specifically we're going to be talking hacking healthcare. And what we're going to try to do is reverse engineer a hacker's approach to getting into healthcare. And we have two great guests with us today. We have Guido Grillenmeyer, Semperus Chief Technologist, and Matt Sickles, who I like to call a cyber security first responder, and he's with CDW and also an executive healthcare strategist for them. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. I always love these conversations, and the, the primary reason is because you guys have been on the front lines. You've been on the front lines immediately following an attack. You've been doing console commands and trying to help restore Active Directory and those kind of things. And I think it gives us a, a pretty good perspective. And if that wasn't enough, I, uh, you're with uh, Semperus. Semperus um, secures one of the largest hospital systems in the U.S. and six of the world's top healthcare providers with regard to Active Directory and securing Active Directory. So we're just going to go at it and see what it looks like. And I've decided to flip the script a little bit. And you guys aren't professional hackers per se, but you've seen I've seen it from the other side. So I'm going to try to get you to put that lens on hacking healthcare, reverse engineering a hacker's approach. So let's start with Stephen Covey always says, let's begin with the end in mind. When a hacker says, I'm going after a health system or this specific health system, uh, what do hackers want from healthcare? Matt, do you want to kick us off with that one? Yeah. And Bill, great to talk with you again. And as you ask that question, it's very simple. Organized crime can sell a social security number or a credit card number for $1 to $100. A full health record is about $1,000 right now on the black market. So the economy of scale right there, that factor of how much money they get per record, that's an easy calculus to say it's all about the money. Yes, it is about disruption, but it is money. A thousand bucks. Is it really my medical information or is it more my identity? Well, think about it. With the medical information, you can file false health claims. You can get prescriptions. So you get that record. And now there is tangible value afterward. You can start to have those medical claims, which then can process through. You might get a reimbursement. Then you can get fake prescriptions. Those can be fulfilled. And that actually bolsters some of the illegal drug trade around the world. So when they're going in, they're really looking for information. Has that been your experience as well, Guido? They're, they're just after collecting information of some kind for the most part? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as Matt already said, this is all about the money, the moral <laughs> filter of not 
attacking the healthcare system. That's long gone. It, it used to be like that, that, hey, even hackers had some level of ethics and wanted to make sure that they don't disrupt the system where lives are at stake, but uh, that's uh, long gone. Yeah, For quite a few years now, they're also going after healthcare system because in the end, for them, it's making money. It's all about making money and selling data that they can steal out of your environment, be it healthcare, be it uh, some other industry. And worst case, if they don't think that they can make enough money directly, it's all about uh, going down the ransom route and uh, and trying to make you pay for something and to increase that risk is even to destroy you. And that's, of course, where it becomes disruptive. It's interesting. We have seen a number of health systems pay the ransom. And we, we saw the pipeline company. Is it Colonial Pipeline, yeah. Yeah, Colonial, they paid the ransom as well. And uh, that's another quick drop of money that just, I mean, you don't even have to complete it. You just sort of have to create enough chaos that somebody's saying, hey, if you can undo this chaos, we'll give you money. And then you don't even have to have that backend uh, supply chain, if you will, of the data <laughs> and, and selling the data and, exfiltra- and doing all that stuff. You could just shut it down there. Are cybersecurity actors specialists at this point? There's people that are just looking to do ransomware and people who are looking to do data exfiltration. Happy to take that one because absolutely. I mean, they're, they're splitting up across the different expertise areas. Yeah. You have basically have ransomware as a service where you have one group taking their early part in a ransomware chain of events. And you can picture it as many three different type of phases, the in phase, where you have to sort of try to get into the network of your target, uh, picture a, a, a hospital, the network of a hospital, where somebody will have maybe a USB drive access, although most of those endpoints are well protected, somebody will have that access. And even through a USB port, you can inject malware. The most traditional ways are still phishing mails and some other malicious websites. But the point is, at one point, you're in, and then that is the job done for that first, for those first guys, they might still uh, implement the control, uh, command and control systems for remote accessing into that network now, so that they can then hand over and sell that access to the highest bidder on the dark net to basically say, hey, I've got this with Think of an Amazon order page with what's the industry, how how can it be accessed? And then the next phase is to get to the data of that target. And that's the access that some other group purchases and then takes the next step. And in that step, that's then the fine pass that they take to get higher elevated privileges to get to your data. So I'm, I'm going to ask a question of what makes healthcare specifically vulnerable. Just something you just said is pretty interesting to me. So if right now I went out dark web and wanted to find access to a hospital, are you saying that I could actually start bidding on access to a hospital or, or several hospitals? Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's the case. I, I'm not on those platforms that I could give you statistics. Thankfully, others let's say other good guys are, and they're monitoring this, you even get credentials that are stolen and and can purchase them. And 
big companies like Microsoft is buying stuff on the dark net to then understand what credentials are actually compromised so that they can then help you to understand which of your people are compromised. Yeah. And Matt, you're shaking your head. Yes, too. So you, you oh. strongly agree with that. Yeah. And one of the things you can go look at is uh, Department of Health and Human Services actually released a really good presentation. And the title of it is called Demystifying Black Matter. And this was one of the variants and one of the organizations that came in. They were wrapped around Conti and Cobalt Strike Beacon. So some of the standard approaches, but that paper actually details the job postings on the dark web, where it is applicable and where you are going to get value. So that's the type of information that we are seeing now. We're seeing that specific information to see if it is healthcare, if it's corporate, and to stay away from healthcare or to go ahead and attach the attack vector to healthcare. So that's a reality of today. So as a, as a former CIO, I, I think I can answer my own question here, but uh, why is healthcare specifically vulnerable? First of all, we can't hire the best cybersecurity people in the industry. The cost is, is pretty high. We have a fair amount of turnover in our staff for that reason, because they're being poached and, and taken. Our best people are being taken away from us and whatnot. We have a very complex environment. I, I remember we had, we had 900 applications and 1,600 instances of those applications. So that's a fairly sizable attack vector, if you will. Then we have you know 25,000 employees was my health system. And with 25,000 employees, it just takes one, right? And, and you're in. So that was another one of the challenges. And then the other is we're being pushed for digital. Hey, connect this, connect this. Let's connect with consumers this way. Let's, let's do IoT. Isn't this interesting? We could monitor devices from the home and whatnot. So the, it's like, hey, move fast and secure it all while we go. I mean, did, did I capture pretty well of, of how complex it is to secure this environment? Matt, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you're, you're building the airplane while you're flying it, right? You've already launched, you're already up in the air, and then all the rules change. It literally becomes that rule of physics that is a moving target. If we go back to uh, Willie Loman's uh, statement, why do you rob banks? Because that's where the money is, right? Why do you go after hospitals? It's a very small community, right? Bill, how many people do you know in the healthcare industry across the nation? All of them, right? who the people are, and they rotate, and they go around from organization to organization. So any of the deficiencies that a leader or an organization resource has from another hospital system is going to track with them. That's another thing is that people are now using the social engineering aspect, that vector of watching LinkedIn, seeing when they leave one health system and where they show up in another. And if it's post-breach, you can pretty much assume that some of those behaviors are going to continue. Allow me to add something on the statement that you made on the applications, so and so many applications. Well, those applications are also not modernized the way that they might need to. With that many that you have, that means, especially in the healthcare environment, yeah. you have applications that require older versions of the operating system that you cannot get rid of. That means you're, you're actually pulling along legacy and that also means uh, an IT risk, yeah, a security risk through older operating systems that you cannot secure the same way as newer ones. And, and th that is another larger, let's say, risk for healthcare than maybe some other industries. 
Yeah, I want, I want to talk a little bit about Active Directory. It's, it's interesting to me. So as the CIL, one of the things I was constantly pushed on was, hey, make it easier for people. Make it easier for them to access their system. They were moving very fast. They're seeing a lot of patients, especially within the acute care setting and whatnot. Uh, they're going from room to room and whatnot. Hey, can you create a badging system? All right, so we have to you know, tie that badging system into a common repository with credentials and security. And by the way, that badging system wasn't just to get them into the into the Active Directory, but also got them into the EHR. It also got them into the PAC system, also got them. I, I, I vaguely remember there was like 16, uh, the, the standard set that the, the badge reader got them was access to about 16 systems. I, but the reason for that was we had to make their life easier. But in doing that, we aggregated the credentials into either Active Directory or some kind of directory. In our case, it happened to be Active Directory tied to to Improvata and, and some other stuff. And uh, are, are we, in the process of doing that, are we doing a favor to the, to the hackers? Are we making it easier for the hackers? Absolutely, the answer is clearly yes. I mean, uh, uh, that's the challenge of centralized IT. There's a clear benefit for the end user to, to enter their passwords, not in a different one or entering it multiple times to access the business applications that they need you're basically that whole single sign-on element has been has been a, a a usability element for the user but it's obviously contradictory to isolate for for isolating different environments from each other for security purposes you still do that today uh, for specific very sensitive systems you either isolate completely or at least you add a second factor before somebody can access that i'm very sure that's also the case in, in health care environment that's the way that you at least add, let's say, another level of uh, assurance that the person that is trying to authenticate to, to get to certain data is actually able to do so. Of course, even those systems can some by, uh, sometimes be worked around. There's, there's um, to fake tokens and all sorts of things out there. But the point is, it comes down to uh, there is that classic conflict of usability and security. Yeah. So, so with Active Directory and the centralization of identities, um, the usability has gone up. I'm not going to say deliberate, like automatically that that means security has uh, totally been taken down because people have a chance with Active Directory to still also secure it well. But by default, it's not that well secured. And, and that's sort of part of the challenge that a lot of mistakes are made because of additional complexity. And that complexity opens doors for intruders to use against you and then enter and reach, at some point, domain dominance in your environment. And that means the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, so it's interesting. We did multi-factor authentication for the first login of the day, but we didn't do that for every login of the day because they're logging in 50, 100 times a day. And so we had a, I think a timeout was set either at four hours or six hours, I forget what it was, where they'd have to do multi-factor a second time. But if we did that every time, they would have hunted me down and, and strung me up somewhere. So that would have been really hard. Matt, what's the state, what's Microsoft's position on Active Directory right now? What's what's the state of Active Directory right now? We, we put a lot of cards in this basket. I was at a rural healthcare this week and uh, they had had a breach a while back. And... Uh, 
we talked about some of their rebuild, what they had focused on. And we asked if they had done an active directory health check after the breach. They said no. And then we asked about, well, do you have integrated DNS? They said, yes. Did you do a health check on DNS? They said no. So we can actually get this continuity thread here of bad behaviors persist, right? It's what the easy button is. And since 2000, Active Directory has been a stalwart, right? But now how many versions are out there? We're running it in mixed mode. We're running legacy versions. Microsoft has done an increasingly well job of improving security, right? They've put in global security group management. They've done global security account management for service accounts, et cetera. All of these one-ups are really helping the industry. The problem is when we have that legacy debt in the organization, we can't upgrade Active Directory to its native mode with all of the bells and whistles. I think that Azure is going to really push that forward, but there is this complacency with Active Directory. Nobody rebuilds it. Nobody starts from scratch. I have said unpopularly multiple times in front of a healthcare system, it's time to completely re-architect and redesign your user experience for Active Directory. That is something that we're saying out loud. It doesn't go over very well, but once we talk it through, they get it. They see the risk level. So Microsoft is probably in the top five of where security vendors want to head right now with good communication, good security models, but no one is using them. So, Guido, I want to go to you. There's still some deficiencies here, right? So this is a 22-year-old platform. And as Matt really particularly put put out there, we have many versions sort of intertwined here. We might be moving to Azure, AD and Azure and whatnot, but we still have a fair amount of AD sort of sprinkled around the, the health system and whatnot. What, what are some of the deficiencies we're, we're finding in these multi, multi-mode environments? I'd have to say that the majority of companies would try to keep the operating system of their domain controllers, which is where the Active Directory lives, fairly up to date if they can. And I, I wouldn't necessarily say that the majority are running very, very old operating systems, but yes, some still are. But just to just to add to the thought of where's Microsoft on on that uh, path is they clearly would like you to move away from Active Directory and, and put all your uh, eggs in the Azure basket. Yeah, that's where they want it. Azure is where the money is also for Microsoft, but and, and they concentrate all new features on Azure. There is no updates in terms of security, in terms of features in the what we so-called call on-prem legacy active directory like you said the 20 year 22 year old ad which has grown like matt already alluded to to have new features and some security additions but even if people are on the right version of the operating system they're not necessarily using all those new security features they might not be aware of them there's a lack of training because it's it's been deployed some 15, 20, maybe even 20 years ago or whatnot in an environment, it's running, let's not touch it, let's not change the security model, even if there are improvements that Microsoft has given the people, it's never too late to increase that level of um, security in an environment today. So that's the thing that I want to pass along there. And 
even though Microsoft would want you to get away, it's not really a topic of right. being able to get away from AD as a technology. It's your apps. It's the apps that you use that where you have invested millions of dollars in yeah. uh, development.net applications for running your healthcare systems. Uh, they do not authenticate natively into an Azure AD. So you, you are bound to the on-prem AD for quite some time to come. Let me ask you this. So it, it's interesting to me, the, the last security audit I did, we did social, social engineering, we did penetration testing and some other things. And I remember the internal auditor that did the attack described for me what they did. And they got in with a run-of-the-mill nurse credential. Right. So they got onto a platform with the run of the mill nurse credential. I'm like, I, I don't even think like they have access to these, this handful of things in the EHR. We have them sort of limited down, uh, but they got the keys to the kingdom. I'm like, all right, well, how did you get to the keys to the kingdom? And then they described for me this, this escalation that they did until they had essentially the controller, a control of the domain. They're looking at all the accounts. They're doing just about everything they wanted to do. Now, don't beat me up too bad. This was almost eight years ago, and we didn't spot know. On. Yeah, we didn't know what we we know today. Still are spot on, but but that's <laughs> they got in with a nurse credential, so that sort of that changes sort of the dynamic. They can get in with anything, and then they sort of escalated from there. I'll, I'll tell you how they did do it. They they broke. They got into one of our uh, remote environments. They broke out of the the shell that it operated in, and then they had access to the to the root. And then they started, they started going around there. And because it was a poor system, it, it really got them in pretty far into our system, which is something that we thought was just a nice way for the nurses to access the system when they're, they were at home. It was, it was really, it was really eye open that, that specific one was really eye opening to me, the, the different things that, that people do. And so what, what I want to talk to you about is you, you've targeted a health system, you get, you get in there. What approaches, I just described one, are, are there other approaches that have been successful in terms of people penetrating and, and getting access to these health systems? Yeah, here's how I would do it. Very first, you describe grabbing the lowest credential that you can, the least permission user. Well, fortunately, that same user can add a computer to the domain very easily. That's one of the nice things about running Purple Night and getting that report. That's one of the very first things that you get to see out of the Simperus tool is it actually can tell you how many computers can a mere mortal user add to the domain. Well, once you add a computer to the domain and it has the proper naming convention, now you're flying under the wire and you can do a lot more because you're on an authenticated domain joined computer with just standard permissions. Now you start to run some of your standard toolkits that are available on distributions like Kali Linux that have those applicable tool sets that are nothing more than scripts that anyone can run. You now can start to harvest some of those elevated permission credentials. You start to watch some of those critical path systems, and that is your elevation of permission. So this is still happening today, and this is the primary target, and that's the ease of some of the Microsoft Active Directory implementation of Kerberos for its security model, and then some of those other elements. So Guido, I don't know if you're seeing anything different, but that's the modes I'm seeing with most of the attack. Well, that's that's spot on. It's spot on. The, the, the point is, and you nicely said it, the, the lowest 
privileged user, a nurse, a nurse, any other non-administrative user, like any user in your Active Directory is a so-called authenticated user. And those default permissions an authenticated user, meaning everyone in your AD, can read a ton of information out of AD. Now that can be stripped down. Hardly anybody does that, but it could be stripped down so that that user doesn't know who is an administrator, doesn't know who are the members of the domain admins group. Now, those are the tightening mechanisms that are, of course, done in a well-secured Active Directory. Many don't do that because they fear managing or changing uh, permissions. And, and because that's the default, that's what hackers find in most environments. And then they can easily find that path on how do I actually progress either laterally or uh, vertically to, to, at some point, get access to a privileged account that could be a domain admin directly especially if they don't tear it up nicely, who can actually manage end user workstations, servers, and domain controllers. That should not be the same account, but it could also be using other weaknesses like service accounts that are privileged and have a so-called service principal name attached to it that can be extracted easily with those tools on that Kali system that uh, might be added into the environment. And Mimikatz have been has been heard, I'm sure, of many. It's like a huge toolbox of its own to help you get and extract stuff out of AD to elevate you vertically. Guido, I want to I want to come back to you, and I want I want you to tell us a little bit about Sempris. So again, I'm fairly familiar with the Microsoft toolset. A lot of command line stuff, a lot of different tools scattered here and there, and that kind of stuff. That's been my sort of experience with it. Sempris really brings a, a, a nice interface to this, a nice, easy-to-run tool, a nice way to back all this up uh, in case you are uh, in case you are breached in some way, shape, or form. Talk a little bit about Sempris, your your entry into into the security market, what what areas you guys really focus in on, and how you prepare health systems for these kinds of attacks. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Bill. That's actually exactly our specialty area. It is uh, protecting uh, companies' identities. We are working with a focus on Microsoft technologies, both the on-prem Active Directory, like we mentioned, a little bit legacy from a technology perspective, but no, in no means away from a, from a necessity perspective. So people and companies will need this for many years to come. But of course, we also offer protection against Azure AD because Azure AD is that next target that either when you're attacked on-prem and you do have an Azure presence that might be less, let's say, prevalent in the healthcare environment than other industries because maybe compliance reasons hinder you from actually going to the cloud. But one way or another, it's all about people. There's a Lovely, I love the statement from Bruce Snyder, an expert in cyber technology and computer security from Harvard University. He basically says, amateurs hack systems and professionals hack people. Yeah, it is your people, your identities that the hackers are going after. And it's our job to ensure that the identity system, Active Directory, uh, is monitored, it's audited continuously. We search 
we, we warn about indicators of exposure. That means weaknesses that your AD has that need to be fixed. Yeah, We monitor any change and can auto undo malicious changes that that an attacker might be doing in the middle of elevating their privileges and give you immediate warnings so that you can act upon it. And if push comes to shove, let's be clear, there no product can give you 100% security. We're not here to promise that either. We're lowering your vulnerability um, out there, but you might still be attacked. Malware, ransomware can encrypt all systems, and then it's all about speed getting back up back to normal operations. And so we've also specialized in that mode to get customers back as quickly as possible, because if your force is gone, your active directory force, even the nurses that might need to have access to some patient records, nobody can log on in the environment to actually get to the data that they need to do their job. And so it's your job as an IT admin to ensure that the system, the identity system comes back first, because if that's not back, no other apps will be accessible either. Yeah. So that's our focus to make sure that AD is secure and can be recovered quickly. And we warn you about any vulnerabilities on that and Azure AD as well. Matt, I want you to compare and contrast an attack on a system that had Sempers in place or a system where you have to sort of bring them in after the fact. What's the difference look like? Yeah, so uh, one of the key elements here, we lost the standard maintenance on an Active Directory controller of getting it into directory store mode and then taking a backup. We lost that art. We went to backup solutions and we were hoping that the backup solutions were gonna be able to hit replay. In an environment that does not have a Semperis implementation or has run the Semperis Purple Knight tool, you are blind to absolutely everything that will occur during a breach event. It's not may occur, it's will occur. They're going to go through the treacherous 20. They're going to attack the commonalities and you're unprepared for that. You have no visibility and it's going to be the surprise factor of it. You just won't know until you get there. Secondarily, if you have Semperis, even running the Purple Knight tool in preparedness, and then if you have the full product on-prem, that right there is a much better experience. Active Directory, as Guido said, is a tier zero application. No systems can come back up. Think about the legacy applications that need LDAP to authenticate for that single sign-on. Think of all of these systems that require DNS, DHCP, to come online to access the EMR, EHR systems. So with Semperis or putting the Purple Knight Run Once Community Edition in as a first step, you're going to get that visibility. You're going to get that scorecard, and that's going to prepare you. You're now going to know where some of the demons are in your environment, and you're not going to have that shock and awe on day zero of the event. The big bang day is not the day to find out you have deficiencies in your active directory, period. What about recovery? Is recovery easier? Yeah, so let's use the two archetypes that I mentioned. The Purple Knight tool where you're just running the report, you're getting some of those best practices. That's going to lead you in a direction of improvements for backup, running directory services, restore mode, et cetera. So check mark there. But if you have the full product on-prem, it's literally a snapshot and a replay methodology, as we've gotten so used to with the backup and storage systems. This is really an effective mode also 
of that replay of how did they get in and what did they do along the way with those snapshots. That, in my opinion, is one of the biggest benefits to the ticker tape ability here. We're going to be able to recreate the event and potentially prevent it from happening a next time because we all know most breaches are a one-two punch, a small breach, and then about three months later, the big bang event occurs. That's when they drop the payload and they go after the critical assets. Fantastic. Guido, I want, if it's possible, I'd love for you to take control of the screen and go ahead and give us a little, little preview of what Purple Knight would Absolutely. tell you. Absolutely. Absolutely have to do that. And let me just share the screen here. Let me also just add to um, what uh, Matt just said that specifically the way that we back up Active Directory, he uses terms uh, snapshot and that logic, that the key thing is that we do not back up the operating system. Sempra's solution for the backup of Active Directory is basically to back up the Active Directory data level, like an application level, and that means we also don't take along malware. That's the key uh, uh, benefit that we have compared to your normal, let's say, operating system level backup system that also takes along the infections into your backup. And so when you replay that, you get an infected domain controller potentially back. And with our solution, the, the recovery of your force fully automated, so less human error, but also on fresh systems, no malware comes along. So you're safe. So, but before that, and this is basically our free Purple Knight tool that we're looking at here. I've literally just uh, went onto the system and uh, launched this executable. Somebody would have downloaded it and can execute it. And Bill, I'm just an authenticated user here. Yeah, I've logged on to the system with just a user that is a normal user in the child domain of my forest. And yes, I need to have specific permissions to run the scripts that, that the tool is using. That's all described in the user guide, but I don't even need to be a local admin. I definitely don't need to be an administrator in Active Directory to find weaknesses, yeah? So if I, if I press next, I basically am able to, to see the domains and force that are available in the environment that I have connected to. So this would be me as the uh, IT guy, not with my admin credentials, but with my, you know, normal office credentials, technically the nurse. Yeah. And then you see all of these different tests. There's 91 that are available. One is uh, disabled mainly for very large environments. I'm going to enable that deliberately here too, because the recent statistics um, have shown that even now, zero logon, you have to understand, was um, found to be a vulnerability in August 2020. We're talking almost two years ago. There's still systems out there not patched. This is the easiest way for intruders into your Active Directory. But it does take a moment longer to scan. That's why we have disabled it uh, per default. It needs to reach out to all of your domain controllers. And most of those other scans, just check the AD security basically as, you, as, as they run. And you can see here AD delegation, various permissions in the environment that may need to be looked at. Here, the one scan is uh, still taking a moment to, uh, to finish uh, something off. You can basically progress and understand uh, the different things while they're running. If your scans take a moment longer, and then, you've get, then you get the score. Then you get a score where 
you might even think, hey, 70%, that doesn't look that bad, yeah. A, a, um, C, a C minus, is that what you're saying? Not too bad? Exactly, exactly. But but from a security perspective, you actually want to be in the 90s, yeah. You definitely want to be in the 90s. So without, this is a good snapshot of understanding your high level, and we're not going to look at every detail in the report, but you have to understand that you can create a very detailed report that then goes into all of those uh, details like here, which systems still have that vulnerability. I've got one unpatched domain controller. That's all it takes. I found that domain controller with a nurse account, yeah, with an authenticated user account. And actually we shouldn't always say that. The nurses are the most critical people out there and we sort of make them from an AD perspective. They're of course just a normal user, but let's make sure that that is not supposed to mean a discredit uh, to that uh, to that expertise. It's just from an AD perspective, you don't need to be an admin to find out even printer spoilers if there is running many, many other things. And without going to all through all of these, there's all sorts of other interesting ways that intruders could then use it. And I've just mentioned this one privileged users with a service principal name. Our tool tells you about that, but it also gives you information. What, why is this a topic? The likelihood and what should you do about it to basically improve your situation? So it's not just a tool that gives you lovely numbers and uh, a nice uh, little UI. It actually has actionable items. And this tool is for free. And of free. course, we have a little bit more to, 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 to help our customers with our professional products to do this continuously, etc. That's the free tool. And that's pretty interesting, Matt, we, you, you mentioned this, that even having run that free tool is helpful going into an event. That's right. Yeah. And one of the things I'll ask you to real quick is <clears throat> how far away from a default domain controller was that? Had you manipulated that to be worse or was that pretty much an out of the box Microsoft DC promo domain controller? Great question. So of course, if it's like, if there's nothing in your AD and then you run it uh, per default, it, it, it won't be as bad. Yeah, there are a few things like, like you would have patched, there would have been uh, no zero logon findings if other configurations uh, wouldn't have been bad. But the point is, I'm not even at the level in my environment to what I see out there in the field with customers. When we talk right. about their environment and get their reports, <laughs> nothing is sent to us, let's be clear on that, but they share like on the screen and we talk about it and we evaluate yeah. what should you do. Much worse because of the legacy that they pull along. This is not, this is, this is not necessarily out of the default, but what they've done to their AD, that's what makes it vulnerable. And Bill, back to your original question. So when we do this test and we actually run these set of tests against the Active Directory, 91 tests against the Active Directory is more than most AD administrators do manually in their entire career, unless there is a malicious event or there is an operational event, period. So this one tool, running it before, we routinely see these organizations down in the 40s and 50s. So you will find out that a standard user, a domain user join, will be able to add up to 99 computers in the domain. Because if you actually had your 
DC that was a 2003 or 2003 R2, that was one of the default settings. Now you get that heads up right away. Then there's some other elements in there, the print spoolers, knowing about some of the patching. This is a critical set of information that you're not going to get off of a vulnerability management tool. You're not going to get a report from most of your penetration testing and your vulnerability testing as part of your HIPAA security runs. It gives you that intelligence specific to the Active Directory database, the NTDS DIT. Most importantly, as we're talking about ransomware events and hacking, this is one of the biggest things you learn about. Do you have an unprotected distributed file system or an unprotected sysfall? That is the primary vector of spreading laterally across the entire organization. And once you put malicious code into those two components of an active directory, the game is effectively over. All right, so that's the that's the free, Purple Knight free <laughs> community edition. I can get that. When we were talking about engaging Semperus, you actually put the tool out there. Now we're monitoring any changes to, to the domain. We're, we're monitoring changes to the policies and, and all those kinds of things. So we're at that point, are we getting alerts as things are changing? Yeah. So, so Semperus has a bigger brother. And that is the directory services protector, as the name implies. It's an active protection of the environment that scans continuously for vulnerabilities. Also is updated if there's new vulnerabilities that are known, new zero days and, and those. Uh, you need to check for those. And then it's updated with uh, a proper, let's say, rules that can either be downloaded automatically or given into the system offline, depending on what the preference is of, of that environment, of the responsible people for that environment. But more so, it also scans any change in Active Directory using the replication data stream. Directory Services Protector basically understands even changes that might occur in your AD if an intruder tries to work underneath uh, the cover uh, using tools like uh, Mimikatz DC Shadow, which it uses a different system to write into the replication stream. What does that translate to? That means no audit logs are written. Most um, tools, CM tools that gather data to understand what's happening in the environment, they fully rely on your audit logs on your domain controllers. Yeah? If things are not written into that, if changes don't go there, you don't know about it. We do, because we basically catch any change that that is out there, and then we can act on that. You can undo the changes that an intruder does. You can see forensically what has happened in this time. Often, it's not like right away that you realize that that intruder might have compromised one of your admin existing admin accounts, and, and it takes you a while to realize that was a malicious act versus a normal a domain Administrative Act, and then you can still see, well, what has John really done in the past, uh, whatever, 24, 48 hours, or in a certain phase in uh, some weeks ago, whatever it is, it can be found and then none. So that's the big benefit over Purple Night is great. Don't get me wrong, perfect starting point, and anything free is, let's say, good, but this is not just free and for the fun of it, there is value to it. The, the bigger brother has even more value to it 
And then, of course, there's the other product that we use for protecting the backup, uh, backing up AD to then be able to fully automatically recover your whole force. Yeah. So, this cybersecurity framework identify the risk, Purple Knight, protect, detect, and respond. You have what? What did you call it? The protector, defender, directory services protector, DSP. Yeah. DSP and then recover is another tool. And what's that called? Active Directory Force Recovery, ADFR. ADFR recovery. And that really covers the the five areas of the NIST cybersecurity framework. I mean, that gets you from, hey, knowing what's going on, protecting while things are, are in operation. And if you happen to get breached, we're going to be able to get that 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 environment back up and running fairly quickly. Yeah. So that so that we can be, get back to normal operations as quickly as possible. Let me add to that: even after you recover, you might not be sure if the recovered AD is fully safe. An intruder might have done something, and ADFR has a post-recovery scan that actually checks for, let's say, malicious changes and other vulnerabilities in that recovered AD. So you're sure that uh, you can close those back doors and be safe to move on with your recovered environment. All right. Well, we're, we're coming up to the end here. And I, I'd love, since you guys have, have so much experience, we're talking to health systems. We're talking to health system leaders. We're talking to health system cybersecurity professionals. What's, you know, what are your parting words for them? What are your parting words in order for them to, what should I take away from this as a health system leader? Matt, we'll, we'll start with you. Yeah, so Active Directory needs to be put as a tier zero critical system in all healthcare environments. If it is not respected as such, uh, it is going to be very damaging when something happens to it. It doesn't have to be a malicious attack. It can also be an error. It can be an omission of a correct work process. So getting the Active Directory now is a critical path system, making sure that it is treated the equal level as an EMR, EHR, that's a real important aspect. Then putting that specific monitoring and threat vulnerability management on top of it, it's omnipresent, it's always running. You need to be able to go back to patient zero when there is an event. And I promise you that your continuity of care models need to include discussions around the active directory restoration, the order of operations. So that means your business continuity, your incident response plan also need to have that lexicon. That is the gap I'm seeing in almost every healthcare that I speak with across the nation right now is that it is a discovery piece after the fact. It needs to be right up front and there needs to be accountability for that with training, with resources and with technology to support it for the continuity of care model. Fantastic. Guido, parting words to healthcare security professionals. Oh, first of all, second, everything that Matt just said, that was a beautiful summary that brings it right to the point. I'll add that basic security practices get you quite far to reduce your vulnerability. And it's, it's often just making sure that your administrators that are responsible for your domain, that have a domain admin account, don't manage the workstations with that account. Matt said it nicely, tiering, yeah, tier zero. That's the only 
area where those accounts should work. So it's it's literally some basic security basics get you very far, even patching, yeah, get you very far. Don't forget that. There are reasons that patches are there. Uh, most of them are for security improvements. Don't be too slow with that because in the end, um, it's all about protecting your uh, clients, protecting the people that you care for. Gentlemen, I want to thank you. I mean, the first 20, 30 minutes of this show, I got the normal terrified, which is what I usually do when I talk to you professionals who have been on the front lines. But I, I, I like where we ended. Just understanding how to protect that system, how to identify the vulnerabilities that we do have, how to protect that system and how to restore that system. That's the, the, the kind of expertise and experience that I appreciate when professionals share. They don't leave me in that. I go to some conferences and I, I, I walk out thinking there's nothing I can do. I mean, the, the, the attacks keep coming on a daily basis. Uh, and it turns out there's a lot of, there's a lot of really good practices out there and, and tools like the Semper's tool that, that helps us, gives us a leg up. But vigilance, as always, I'm sure you guys are going to tell me, vigilance as always. So, hey, again, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. Bill. What a great conversation with Guido Grillenmeyer with Semperis and Matt Sickles of CDW. I'd love to capture their perspective. They are there on the front lines when things happen in healthcare. And to be able to capture that and share that with the community is so valuable. And I really appreciate being able to do that for you. We want to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Semperis, who is investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. 